Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and thanks for joining us on Beyond Qualified. I'm your host, Tyler Cornford. In this podcast, we'll take you beyond leadership theories to provide practical insights and actionable steps, ultimately to enhance your influence wherever you find yourself. Our guests today are Hannah Schaefer and Hannah Jones, and all together, we're going to be discussing their Converge talk, Innovation Amidst Crisis. So brought to you by Converge, this is Beyond Qualified. So welcome back, Beyond Qualified, to our loyal listeners. Hannah Schaefer just opened us up in prayer and said, God remind us that these are get-tos, not have-tos. And I just really appreciate starting that way. So um, to our guests, hello, Hannah and Hannah. (laughs) Hello. Hi. So just for the listeners to get to know you, let's start with Hannah Schaefer. Um, Who was your role model as a kid and why? Yeah. That is a great question. I know that this is kind of a cliche answer, but genuinely, my mom, uh, my mom was a single mom for most of my childhood, and she is a boss. She is a high-functioning leader. Um, She was in the Air Force and had four kids, and we lived in Northern Virginia, which is a very busy place anyways, and just her composure amidst all of that, at least what we saw, (laughs) her composure amidst all of that and her reliance on the Lord. She was like, we didn't have that much money, but she was a faithful tither. Like just so many things that my mom did so faithfully, um, even though the ideal was lacking, I felt like her life really showed us that grace abounded so much, even though, like I said, the ideal was lacking. Your mama, I love it. Mm -hmm. And Also, can you say what area of campus are you over? Yes, I am over the square on East Campus, Square Squad. Square Squad. (laughs) Sweet. And Hannah Jones, where are you at on campus? The Hill, only the best location. Awesome. And then who was your role model as a kid? So as I was thinking about this, I wanted to be like thoughtful and think of something like what I would have said as a kid, but genuinely what I would have said as a kid was me and Ham. Like the yes. women's national soccer player. Um, I was like thinking back to everyone that I idolized and that was her. I was like obsessed with her. So that's my kind of my fun actual role model. Like I would have said that as a child. But looking back, what I would say would actually be my grandfather. Um, he was just the most disciplined man that I've literally ever heard of. Like at the age of 80, he was like doing a two mile run every morning, 50 sit ups, like 50 pull-ups like homeboy was incredible and he was like an artist and he like taught art to little his little neighbor kids and just learned a lot from him and um just a really special guy so that's what i would say looking back was a role model but at the time mia ham was my girl Mm. Mia Ham. (laughs) that sounds like that would be your granddad if any of you know hannah jones i thought you meant mia ham (laughs) (laughs) nope Cool. And then I love asking this question, too. I think it shows what you're passionate about, um, maybe different hobbies or interests. Someone comes to you and says, what book should I read right now? We'll start with Miss Jones this time. What would you say? Um, The book that I recommend the most would be Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's by Jim Cimbala. Um, He's the pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City, if you guys don't know who he is. But um, it's just a book about prayer and the way that prayer has shaped um, Brooklyn Tab and like the culture of that church and just his life and it of all books I've ever read I would say it changed my perspective 
on something so drastically, um, just being the power of prayer. So that's one that I would recommend every time. Very nice. Uh, I think the book that I recommend the most uh, probably in my couple of years of RD has been Hind's Feet on High Places mm. by Hannah, I think you said Hernard. <laughs> um, but Hannah Hernard writes an allegorical story of the Christian life, and it's about a little animal called Much Afraid, and it's her travels to the high places with the Good Shepherd. And just that journey language really helps me in any point of my life to remove my perspective and remember the Lord's perspective. Um, and it's just a really great book. It touches on suffering and joys and so many things that we experience in the Christian life and puts it in a really tangible story-like way. So love that book. Hmm. So good. Cool. Um, and then just to, I guess, get right into the topic, because 2020 has been a year of <laughs> crises. <laughs> um, you can say that. So... <laughs> Even just here at Liberty in general, like our president, we have a new president. It just feels like there's there's something after another. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about all right, innovation amidst crisis for the Christian leader. So either of you can, can answer this and I guess just get the ball rolling. What made either of you passionate about this topic? I think that my passion for this topic really comes from the fact that change is an inevitable part of life. And we experience change constantly, even that we don't notice. We are constantly changing. Our circumstances are constantly changing. Our relationships and the people around us are constantly changing. Even our relationship with the Lord is changing. So that is something that you can't ever get away from in life, even when you don't know it. And so understanding how to embrace that, both as a believer and then as a leader, is so crucial Mm -hmm. in having that tool in your tool belt to be able to to handle change well, I think. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that, I think we're in a society that softens us. Like I think people are very softened, even like upbringing by the way that we interact with one another, by the way that we um, treat, treat worry and fear. And um, I think that we can become very softened as people, um, which is not innately a bad thing. Like it's good to have like a softened heart, but um, if we're if we're only softened and never toughened, then when something comes, we're like knocked over rather than just kind of shaken. And so I think one of the reasons that we see our society be so, um, I would say like ebb and flow in the sense of like rage and then like calm and rage and then calm. I think oftentimes it's that we just have people who are soft, for lack of a better term, who aren't ready for something to come. So when something comes, it's so like earth shattering and and us all as believers know that we have a foundation that's not shaken mm. um and so i think as believers we're uniquely equipped to respond to crisis um because we get to know that regardless of the ups and downs the like actual bottom line doesn't change um which i think our society could really use a lot more of that yeah um so you were mentioning that like change change is inevitable in life and it's just going to come mm-hmm. um but also it, it seems like a crisis is gonna happen like someone can't just live their life and avoid it because mm-hmm. we're in an imperfect world right now and you kind of hit on this and i'd love to just i guess kind of dissect what you were saying um we have a foundation as believers that's different mm-hmm. than someone who may not have a relationship with christ um yeah I feel like this question comes up a lot a lot in Christian circles is like, what's your favorite thing about the Lord? What's like the thing that um, you just draw back on upon? And, and I say that not to change the answer, but I, I would always say 
my answer is always hope. Like the, the thing that we have in Christ, the thing that we have in a relationship with the Lord is hope. And that's unshaken because we know that ultimately our life is not this life. Like we are here and there's a value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I say to my RAs a lot would be everything matters and nothing matters. Everything matters in light of eternity in terms of like the weight and the depth of like what Christ has in store for us. But nothing matters in terms of this world. Um, and so our foundation can rest on the fact that nothing matters apart from Christ. And so for us as believers, as leaders, we have the opportunity to enter a crisis, whatever that crisis is, be it COVID-19 or be it like my power went out this weekend. Like you can let this shake you. You can let this rattle you because things get, we still get rattled. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. inevitable. Um, however, knowing that our eternity is in something greater than ourselves gives us the hope to say, but if this turns out bad, the end doesn't turn out bad. Like we know the end. We know the the ultimate end goal. I think as believers, that hope plus the courage we can have in moments of crisis that one, we don't have to have all the answers, which we talk about this in our Converge talk, but mm. you don't have to have all the answers because the reality is one, the Holy Spirit indwells in you mm-hmm. and God has equipped you for this moment. Um, we have all that we need for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. And what we do is not irredeemable in our mistakes mm. because the Lord is a God who constantly redeems. Mm-hmm. And so even in the midst of making maybe a bad decision in crisis, we are not without hope even amidst that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two things comfort me just through those answers is one, we don't have to have all the answers. Because <laughs> I think sometimes as yeah. a leader, when everyone's looking to you to make a decision, you feel all this pressure, like I have to know what to do. Mm-hmm. But I've found even sometimes in like different crises this year on the circle, uh, I'm like, I don't really know what to do next. Next, let's pray. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just being vulnerable and honest there, like, hey, I don't really know the answer, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then two, the second thing that brings so much comfort is we do know what the end looks like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as believers. And we this actually I think has come up every episode on the podcast is this awesome place that we're living in the story of God's people of knowing what the end and the second coming of Christ and he's coming. Um, it just gives us this peace that even in a, in a year like 2020, I'm not panicking and freaking out and feeling like the world's coming to an end. Cause if it does mm-hmm. for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pumped. Um, <laughs> so in what ways, and we can start with Mrs. Schaefer this time. Um, in what ways have you applied this topic that we're talking about in your own life? Mm. That's a good question. I think I first think about RD and my role there. And then I think about my personal life as well amidst the crazy 2020. Mm. Uh, with my role and job as an RD, This year has brought a lot of things that are not normal, I would say, in this job. And having done a couple years (laughs) prior to this year, I know that (laughs) it's not normal. And so I have watched uh, the Lord really prepare my RAs for this time. Mm -hmm. And that they haven't done it perfectly. They have made plenty of mistakes. Also, I've made plenty of mistakes. (laughs) And uh, I think I've seen the faithfulness of the Lord amidst the chaos that has ensued. And I want to be clear that that is actually a choice. That is not something that we always naturally see Mm because it's 
sometimes very supernatural to watch God work in our midst. And so to watch my RAs choose to engage the Lord amidst times where they could rely really on themselves um, has been amazing. And I've seen, excuse me, the faithfulness of God really come through for them. Mm -hmm. We're also studying in Acts uh, at my church and Christopher, my husband, is also taking a class on it. So it's been a topic of conversation in our house quite a bit. And to watch the apostles not plan what to say, but to really believe Jesus when he says, don't plan what you're going to say. I'm going to set you before rulers and leaders, etc." And they trust that. And then they speak with boldness. So that same principle, applying that to our current circumstance has been very applicable. (laughs) I'm not before rulers, but leading in that context, I think that is very transferable to our Mm. moment here and now. And then I think personally, um, not being discouraged when in a crisis I make a bad decision, really trusting in that hope that we were talking about. Because that's easy to talk about, but then failure comes (laughs) and you're like, oh, okay, should I just give up? Like, I'm a bad leader. Mm. Is this overcomable? Mm -hmm. Removing that perspective of the here and now, trusting in the eternal hope, as Hannah Jones was saying, and um, really looking forward to the fact that this chapter is going to end. And I personally, once I have that perspective, have this moment of, I want to be found faithful in this moment. Mm -hmm. So even if I screw up, like being vulnerable and admitting it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not being scared to say, hey, made the wrong call. I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. I ask for your forgiveness. And let's like press Mm -hmm. forward amidst my own weakness. And I think that empowers even the leaders that are under me and the people that, that I'm leading. Oh, snaps to that. Um, I don't have much more to say because that was just a great answer. But yeah. um, I think for me, like when I think of like how have I implemented it in my life, this is maybe more of a big picture. But um, I think even in the last, I would say like three, four years, um, I think the Lord has grown my love for his word. And like the fact that in knowing his word and studying his word and reading his word, um, we are able to be reminded of the foundation that's not shaken. And so, um, but not even just like the fact that the word tells us that, but the word gives us like very practical um, leadership advice. It gives us very practical um, precedent for handling crisis. Like you're talking about acts, like they get shipwrecked and Paul is like, hey, God told me I'm going to Rome. I'm good. And in the like knowing in the crisis as they're like, probably dying, um, Paul has this like ability to um, keep their eyes focused on the fact that they're on a mission and he had this like special little tidbit from God that he was going to go testify about him in Rome. So I always say, what a weird place to be. Like, you know, you're not going to die, but it's terrifying. Um, but that being said, like, like to know that scripture gives us a precedent um, and gives us like practical tools. Um, for me, I think that in my leadership specifically it makes me less intimidated by like when someone comes with something that I'm that I'm not sure about Mm. because do I know all the references no do I know all the all the scriptural context no but we have access to it and Mm so um I love being able to be like with one of my RAs like hey I actually don't know let's look into the word together let's Mm. find that um or like give me some time i'll get back to you on that Mm -hmm. and and like knowing that we have that reference so um just practically speaking I would say that's a way that it has been implemented in my life is just in crisis, recognizing that we have like this truth um, that does not change where society really likes to preach like, what's your truth for that moment? And I think that's one of the reasons that people get so 
fearful and anxious because mm. if the truth is changing, then yeah. then mm-hmm. what are you resting on? So I'm just grateful for scripture and the fact that we can rest on that. While both of you were preparing for this Converge talk, were there any other specific passages or principles derived from scripture that really laid a foundation for this talk? It's funny because our, our so the Converge talk is innovation amidst crisis. So I feel like we touched on crisis a lot. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to the innovation part a whole mm-hmm. ton, but I'm reading through Joshua right now, just in my own personal study, and um, just reading the other day in Joshua 8 when um, they are invading, y'all are Bible scholars, AI. How do you say that? A? I say I. I. But okay. Can't promise that's right. <laughs> well, in Joshua 8, when they're invading, we'll say I. Um, when they're invading I, um, Joshua has this like really unique military tactic that was like new to their to their people and they basically like split the people and then attack from the back and ambush them. I don't know much about military tactics, but um apparently it was like a hot new idea at the time. Um and I was just as we were thinking about like innovation amidst crisis, like just very practically speaking, I was like that's innovation. Like he is as a leader submitted to the Lord's authority, following God's voice, but also strategizing and also um, like successfully implementing mm-hmm. like this military strategy for the success of God's people. Um, and I was just like, well, it's fun when those kind of things align in the timeline. So that was just one that I had been reading yesterday and thought about. Sweet. <laughs> um, I've heard it put many a times that if you don't know the word of God, how is the Holy Spirit gonna like pull God's word up and mm-hmm. I think of it like pulling it from your heart into your mind. Mm. <laughs> That's what I was just doing with my hands, those of you that I can't see. <laughs> um, but the idea of the Holy Spirit like bringing scripture to mind, if you are not meditating on God's word, he could still do that because he is God. Mm. But I also think <laughs> it's much easier and will be much more frequent if you have the word of God hidden in your heart, which yeah. is something the Bible talks about. Um, so looping back to Acts, the apostles were Jewish. And so they knew the word of God in the Hebrew Bible very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not an option for them to know it well. Mm-hmm. It was a part of their culture, part of their upbringing. They knew it very well. And so um, when Jesus spends those, I think it's 40 days um, after his resurrection with them, he's mm-hmm. opening their eyes to what the scriptures have like foretold about Jesus and how he has fulfilled them so they can go now and teach it. So um, principalizing that we need to know God's word Mm. in order to be able to be innovative in crisis, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to keep our cool in crisis and to have the peace of Christ when we're in crisis, um, to know even sometimes what to pray. And again, the Holy Spirit informs those things, but it's... Mm -hmm. It's just like, I think it talks in Romans, like we have a part in all of this and God also has a part in all of this, which might be implementing a lot of theological things that some of you might disagree with and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and one of my leadership classes, my professor, Dr. Dempsey, just kept pointing us back to the fact that we have Jesus as an example to look to for Mm -hmm. leadership. I think a lot of times as Christians, we forget that. Mm -hmm. And he fed (laughs) 5,000. That's what I thought of too. Yeah. Um, Like, hey, what do we do? And he even like gave his disciples kind of an opportunity to answer, Mm -hmm. even though he knew they would have no idea what to do. Um, And just that calming presence that Jesus Mm -hmm. had of, hey, it's going to work out. And then I also think of um, the storm on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus is just snoozing away, yeah. <laughs> taking a nap. And 
the disciples once again are freaking out yeah. like what are we going to do and then they're mad at jesus like how are you sleeping through this mm-hmm. and then he what he does is he just questions their faith mm-hmm. and it, this keeps coming up in your answers is basically like as believers we should have a lot of faith in the mm-hmm. midst of a crisis because of the hope that we have to look forward to and it's cool to think that our leader set that precedent for mm-hmm. us yeah yeah I very much think about God being the solid rock that we build our life on um, and the fact that if you build your life on the sand, the storm will come and it will wash. When that picture comes to my mind, it's washing that whole house away. Yeah. No matter how big that house is, <laughs> how like good the materials are of the house, mm-hmm. uh, it get, it gets washed away. Mm-hmm. And so um, the foundation is really what matters. Recently, I've been talking about RAs a lot and I think it's applicable to this that picture of um, having a glass jar and filling it with a bunch of little pebbles at Mm. the beginning and then trying to put big rocks Mm. in afterwards and it won't fit. I don't know if you guys did this in youth group, but we did. Yes. (laughs) And it clearly was very memorable for me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But if you put the big rocks in first and then the little pebbles after, it weirdly fits into the jar Mm -hmm. and you can close it. And the principle being that when you put the foundation of Christ first, put God first Um, you get up and you like spend time with the Lord you're Mm -hmm. in prayer with him throughout the day the other things of your life will not fall into place meaning everything will be peachy and perfect but meaning that it will be okay it will fit into the jar it's supposed to Mm -hmm. Um, and I see that every day when I wake up (laughs) I think of that often Mm. and I think it applies very much in crisis Mm. I think that's I I laughed thinking of that because I almost think that could be the answer to anything we talk about. Um, And so it's always this fun dichotomy, I think, as a believer. Like, at the end of the day, keep the first thing the first thing. Like, put Christ in the beginning, in the middle, in the end. um, And we get to have that foundation. And then also, we have things like Converge, where we want to develop leaders. We have things like um, RAs, where we get to pour into them. We are RDs that we get poured into by our leadership. And um, as a result, like we learn and we grow, we're refined. We are, um, you know, hopefully the way I respond to crisis now is different than it would have been five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking, we keep saying the same thing of like that foundation, that foundation, that foundation. And the only reason we get to do any of the nuanced, like, leadership training, the only reason we get to do any of the, like, specific topical things is because of that foundation. Um, And Tyler, like you said, if you talk about eternity in every podcast, that's because we should be thinking about eternity in every decision Mm -hmm. and in in every, um, I don't know, just everything we talk about. And so it's cool that we get to now, like, cool, we have our foundation, and now we're talking about innovation amidst crisis. All that being said, I'm just grateful that we get to um, be refined in that and that we get to, like, like you're saying with your RAs, like the pebbles, um, I can guarantee you that there's still small pebbles I'm putting in before the big pebbles, like, in yeah. my life. And it's cool that hopefully, as our lives progress, the big, the small pebbles come later and later and later. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, I think that's what refines our leadership. And I think that's what refines, like, our ability to influence our unique, like, cultures and our context around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we get to be innovative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is keep the main thing the main thing, which is always the answer for Mm -hmm. believers. Um, But then also we do have a role and responsibility, and we are able to walk into a situation more equipped if we allow ourselves to kind of be molded and prepared. Um, So along those lines, is innovation a skill that we can grow in? Is innovation a gift? I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I can start us out, but I know that you're going to have lots of good thoughts too, Hannah Jones. No, nope, nothing. 
<laughs> no good thoughts. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that maybe you're really gifted in being creative, and that is awesome for you. And I think creativity plays into innovation, but I also think it's a muscle that you work. So just like you go to the gym and work out your physical muscles, creativity is a muscle and innovation is a muscle that you continue to strengthen mm. because innovation a lot of times is looking at something and not just uh, going the path most traveled, even in your own brain and saying, this is what we're gonna do because this is how we're respo- like reacting, mm-hmm. I guess. And instead taking a step back, looking at a situation saying, okay, what's the best option? Do we need to do something that's never been done before? And then having the creativity to be able to mm-hmm. actually be creative in implementing that. Now, I don't think that has to be a one-person team. I think as a leader, and we talk about this in our Converge talk, so I'm giving a little bit of it away. <laughs> but I think part of that is really knowing your own giftings and then knowing the giftings of your people, being mm-hmm. willing to say, this is where my giftings stop and I need you all to fill in the gaps. Um, because the more people, I almost said the more people, the better. Sometimes that's not true, but you definitely want a team around you because mm. you by yourself could be really strong. Mm-hmm. You and a couple other really gifted, high impact leaders could be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think like, we get to try a lot of cool things. Like uh, innovation is far more preempted by failure than success, I would say. Um, and so I would piggyback off of that and say the idea that we get to surround ourselves with people who are smarter, better, faster, mm-hmm. stronger. Um, <laughs> Think of that song. We get to kind of grow in that and then to be in um, a place where we get to just try new things, like throw things up on the wall and see if they stick. Um, as long as it's not like in sin, like give it a shot. Like, you know, obviously have like wisdom and discernment. Don't just do stupid things for the sake of doing stupid things. But, um, like we get to try new things. We get to try new strategies. We get to try new, um, ideas. And so how do we grow in that? Is that when you try it and you fail, you know, what doesn't work. Right. And so oftentimes we learn our best ideas by just everything else not working. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you're refined to a great idea. On my field hockey team here at Liberty, we had so many games where coach was like, hey, we're going to try a new press today, new strategy. And a press is basically just like your strategic setup on the field for how you will make the other team give the ball to you um, for a very simplistic version. And I can think of so many games where she's like, we've spent all this time all week in this new press formation, and we are like convinced that the team can't not get past us. And we are 15 minutes into the game, and they have already passed our press like every time. And so then there's a timeout, and coach says, pause, swerve, back to the basics. And so now we know that press doesn't work. And um, part of that was like being willing to try it and fire. Like we weren't just trying it in Mm -hmm. practice. We did it in practice, but then we implemented it in the game and the real deal. Um, But also we had to know that we could potentially change that. And so um, I think of, I think sports are very relevant to life. And I often think that they're the best way that I learn. Um, but that being said, like, like we can try things. Try them in the real crisis. Try them in the real moment. Um, but be ready to adjust. Be ready to pivot back to um, what you know works. And I think that to innovate means to have a strong foundation, to have a strong, like, starting point, mm-hmm. And then, like, be willing to try new things, to add new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, you can grow in what you know to try next time. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of fun too, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying new things. So I think a question that could come up is, 
okay, how do I actually practice growing in innovation and being more prepared for a crisis without waiting for a crisis to come to me? That's a good question because I think there are crisis seekers in this world Mm -hmm. and I would not say that's healthy. So uh, to all you Converge students, do not go running around looking for like ambulances. Um, but I do think what it looks like, and this is not, I, I like, I like practical answers and this is going to be the, it's not going to be the most practical answer, but I would say, um, you practice for a crisis only when the, like you practice for a crisis when there's an opportunity to do so. Um, and so in a sport, that's a lot more practical of like, we know we're coming up against said crisis, AKA the team you're playing. That is your crisis for that day. Um, so, you know, you're coming up against that. However, we've said this a bunch of times. Um, we know suffering's promised to us. The Mm -hmm. Bible says that we know that there will be a crisis coming. So, um, I would say how you practice for that is in the small things in your day that throw you off when you're running late for class, when your assignments overdue, when, um, the internet's not working or whatever that looks like as a student, there's a lot of mini crises that hit you on a daily basis. When your roommate's not cleaning up, when you're, um, you know, I could, I could keep going. So what does it look like? If you don't re- if you don't take the time to respond and to um, thoughtfully handle those things well, when it gets to a crisis, you will be shaken. You will be very rattled because you can't respond to those tiny little blips in your day well. So um, while this doesn't give you like the overarching theory of how to respond to crisis and practice in doing so, it does. Like I, I do believe that we are given little interruptions in our day that we get the choice and we get the chance to respond well um and so that practice looks like if you do if you are if you wake up late and you're running late for class and your immediate response is like darn it my day is starting off on such a bad note something that you can practically do is choose joy in that and recognize like hey but i get to go to class and i can get ready now and i have the opportunity i live on campus i can walk there quickly you know what does that look like um i don't know if that really answers your question but um, I think of the second part of that is once you hit the crisis, um, you're ready for it again. So we've been dealing with this power, power outage on campus. If you're a converged student, you know that. But um, we've had these, these power outages the last few days. And my I look at my RAs. They are just so cute. And they um, the first couple, the first power outage, of course, no one knew it was coming. The second power outage, several of them had like creative ways of charging their phones. Um, like they plugged them into the computer to charge them. Someone went to her car before it was curfew time to charge it. Um, but the first time they had dead phones because they hadn't thought about ways to charge their phones. And then the third time the power went out, we required all of our leadership to do a fire watch um, on the buildings that I'm on where they had to stay up all night. And my RAs, because they knew the power outage was coming and they had been through it before, a couple of them went and bought battery-powered lights at Walmart and stuck them on their walls so that the halls weren't dark for their CGLs. A couple of them set up little blanket areas with snacks because they knew that some of their leadership was taking the night shift. And they had only been able to do that because they had practiced in those first two unpredictable crises of blackouts um, how to handle the one that they knew was coming. So um, I would say practice in the small shaking storm so that when the big one comes you've you've got those skills that is so good it makes me think of the scripture if you're faithful with the small you know you're going to be faithful with the larger thing Mm -hmm. god will give you small things first before you have a major crisis (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) that you may not even see as little Mm -hmm. crisis but that's so good i think we could all testify to that in our own lives too is we grow the most when 
we take advantage of opportunities in front of us. And it, it kind of would be easier to just sit back and, and let life go on and always choose the easy route instead of um, taking the hard opportunities. Or mm-hmm. So for the Converge students, like they're involved in the Converge program and, and maybe an opportunity like, hey, go ask your RA, can I help with this hall event or something like that? Just getting yourself some reps um, to learn skills and kind of be put in situations that make you uncomfortable so that you can build the muscle mm-hmm. like you were talking about. So we talked about the competencies in this first first episode of the season with Sheldon Farrington, and the competency that this one is aimed at is responding to change. And the previous two podcasts that we've had have been all about self-understanding, and I like that we started with the foundation there. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how both of those competencies, I guess, intertwine together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to be a leader in general, the more self-aware you are, the better. Mm-hmm. Even knowing, I know this tends to be my blind spot, <laughs> yeah. is a good thing to know. And so I touched on this earlier, but knowing your own strengths, knowing your own weaknesses, being willing to be secure enough in your identity in Christ to say, I'm not scared to say, I come short in this area, Mm -hmm. which can be really hard because we all are prideful naturally. Mm -hmm. So there are moments even as a 26-year-old RD who's done this job for a little bit where I go, oh, got to check my pride at the door and Uh come to my RAs with humility and say, I actually want your ideas on this because Mm -hmm. the innovation train has stopped at my station. (laughs) (laughs) So having the humility and the self-awareness, which knowing yourself, which we've talked about, uh, I think is so important when it comes to this because to not know yourself before a crisis comes in, you are a leader in Mm -hmm. that. uh, I think kind of serves to hurt your people and uh, if you don't know what your own weaknesses are, your own Mm -hmm. blind spots, the more likely you are to kind of step into those Mm -hmm. and um, there's grace for that if that happens. That's again part of the growing process as a leader, uh, the growing pains, but even in that having the humility to loop back and say, I done goofed, sorry guys, (laughs) (laughs) I'm growing too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gospel is good news for me Mm -hmm. as well. yeah. Yeah, I would say almost the exact same thing. There's not much to add other than um, when we, if we don't spend the time to recognize what the Lord has equipped us with and what he has given us to grow in, then we don't have the opportunity to um, use those things in crisis. So like like a gifting that you have is is given to you uniquely for the kingdom of God, to build mm-hmm. the kingdom of God, to make disciples, um, to glorify the Lord. And if you don't have that self-understanding, mm-hmm. then you enter a crisis. There might be this gifting you haven't even tapped into because you haven't spent the time seeking that from the Lord. And now I do believe that over our lives, like new giftings are revealed. So that's not to say that you might just not learn something in crisis. But And then on the same token a weakness that you have not spent time to flesh out or even humbly recognize can become a really, really, really big um, Achilles heel Mm -hmm. in the midst of a crisis. I've seen leaders, I've been the leader who has um, wanted to do something really well um, and not recognize or, or even recognize and just thought, I can still do this because there is pride and that is me. Um, But in, and then not recognizing, like you said, the humility to say, Hannah, 
my name's Hannah, the other Hannah, <laughs> Hannah Schaefer, does this really well. Why don't I bring her in and I can learn from her? And so maybe that weakness is a little bit grown in me. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to stay weak in that forever. But at the same time, um, yeah, we just have to have the humility, like you said, just mm-hmm. to ask for that. And so to not understand yourself, that's not to glorify self, that's not to idolize self, that's not to study yourself, um, but to know yourself in light of the Lord mm-hmm. is to recognize who he has made you to be um, and then thus how to serve him best. Mm-hmm. And Tyler, you talked about Dr. Dempsey. I also took a couple classes with Dr. Dempsey in my master's program. Shout and out Dr. Dempsey. I know, he's the, he's the man. <laughs> uh, he talked about our spiritual gifts, which I don't think are solely linked to our time that we serve on Sunday. I think that that God has given us those gifts to serve the body and others. And I love it because he used to call it your superpower. And he always uses Susan Boyle as the example. Like Mm. Susan Boyle comes on stage to sing and the crowd is laughing because she is not like the most pleasantly pleasing to the eye. I bet you a lot of conversion students don't know who Susan Boyle is. Go look up Susan Boyle. You will be amazed. (laughs) And Susan Boyle gets up and starts singing and everyone is silent and then just loses their mind. Mm -hmm. And he uses that as the example of this should be like your spiritual gift because it's not your own Hmm. to claim, but it's this supernatural thing that God has given you to flex in a moment where it needs to be flexed. But your spiritual gifts have been given. And so I also think the boldness of knowing yourself using in a moment saying, I'm actually good at this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to step into this moment because sometimes we can have a false humility as believers. Oh, I'll let somebody else step into it because I I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to. And no, Mm -hmm. God has actually given us a spirit of boldness that we can, one, come to his throne, but two, step in in a moment Mm -hmm. of crisis or change or where there's a need where God has gifted us to actually serve Mm -hmm. in that way. Awesome. So as we're wrapping up this episode, I just love to to throw it to you. Are there any closing thoughts you'd love to leave uh, this episode with? If we're going to talk about crisis, if we're going to talk about leadership through crisis, if we're going to talk about innovation in crisis, um, I think we should talk about just keeping the main thing the main thing. Like you said, Tyler, like we can talk all day about the nuances of leadership and about the nuances of um, what it looks like to walk in that. Um, but if we're not pursuing holiness and godliness then we're not leading through crisis with an accurate view of the lord and thus we're leading as though we are like a little g god and so how can we um knock down like even even the idol of leading well because that can become an idol is like Mm -hmm. to be a good leader to knock down that idol is so vital i know for me i have to regularly check myself at the door and say are you trying to lead well for the sake of leading well, or are you trying to lead well for the sake of the glory of God? And so mm-hmm. um, I would say, if, if, if anything, it's just to close with, like, I just implore you to check, check yourself at the door. What is the motivation behind even wanting to grow in this skill set? Um, and then once we get to a place where it is for the glory of God, for the enjoyment of Him, for recognizing His, His power in our lives, we get to then... Um, influences around us and hopefully which is ultimately our goal point people to Christ and so um, like how can you make disciples and how can you be um, just a light for his kingdom in crisis Um, and what does that look like my last thought that I want to leave you guys with probably lends a hand to how I naturally function as a person but I think that as a believer crisis will come whether personal or in a leadership position 
and to give yourself the space to learn from your mistakes that you learn in crisis. Mm. I heard somebody say one time that life is either you're coming out of like a crisis or you're going back into one, which I think is like a little pessimistic. I don't like to (laughs) maybe necessarily think about it that way. Um, But to understand that God uses trials, which I think crisis and trials are somewhat synonymous or they're at least related. Uh, God has given us those things to make us more like Christ. And so to not be okay in a crisis, to learn from a crisis, to make a mistake in a crisis, uh, to say the wrong thing, whatever has gone wrong amidst the actual circumstance, God, I said this earlier, is redeeming all things and will do that. Like Romans 8, 28, God using all things for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. You bump down two verses. What is that good? It's the eternal good of becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And so amidst this crisis of 2020 or a personal crisis or whatever other crisis comes your way, um, we can rest in the fact that no matter what it is, God will redeem it and will make us more like Christ. Yeah, I, I love the just immediate application that we have walking away from this podcast is, hey, let's keep the main thing the main thing. In a crisis, your faith in Christ should be the foundation that you're walking into with peace that someone who doesn't have a relationship with Christ would have. And then innovation is a muscle that we can grow in and improve in. So just to challenge the listeners, what opportunities might you be neglecting right now that could be Mm. really cool opportunities that make you uncomfortable, but at the end of the day will help you grow as a leader to be innovative in the midst of a crisis. So to our faithful Beyond Qualified (laughs) listeners, thanks again for tuning into the show this week. Next time we're going to have Paul Stanton on. And we're going to discuss his Converge talk, Freedom by Decision. So I hope this material challenges you and equips you to perform in your sphere of influence with excellence, ultimately to glorify God. So we'll see you next time on Beyond Qualified.